reason I, I don't try to do music ministry. Uh, most of it's because I would, I would wail and weep like a baby. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord. Take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Thank you, Dave. Today, I will be bringing you all a message of hope and encouragement. The title of this message is The God of Wrath. Today, we see a large cry for justice from a Marxist Trojan horse pretending to be concerned about racial equality and justice. But where does this call for justice come from? Why would one assume or consider that there is or should be justice? Why would one consider that he or she would be deserving of the positive results of justice? You see, this desire for justice is rooted in God. It is, it is part of what he has put inside of us. It is in no way tied to secular humanism. Secular humanism and its parents of atheism and evolution have no room for justice in their theology. And it is a theology. I got this quote from Dr. James White, uh, who, if, if you're not familiar with him, I, I, I entreat you to look him up on YouTube. He, he's a, a, a brilliant uh, apologist for the Lord. Um, but he wrote this quote, uh, this tweet, on, on Friday after the president and the first lady um, revealed that they were positive for COVID-19. Quote, the secular left is being shown for what it is internally, deep down inside today. Take a picture and remember, once they have power, they will treat you in a similar fashion. Secularism has no boundaries as there is no final judgment. When your worldview provides for survival of the fittest, there is no justice. There can be no justice. This is its own justice. I will make the argument today that the last thing any of us wants is justice. For ultimate justice is from God. And we all deserve eternal damnation. For we have all sinned against the thrice holy God. But what we're seeing is nothing new. As written in Ecclesiastes 1.9, what has been is what will be. And what has been done is what will be done, and there is nothing new under the sun. Turn, if you will, to Genesis chapter 6, starting at verse 11. The sermon will be heavy scripture. Uh, I assume the heavier the scripture I use, the less of me there is, so the less I could mess up. Genesis 6, starting at verse 11. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, 
For all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you are to make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits. Its breadth, 50 cubits. And its height, 30 cubits. Make a roof for the ark and finish it to a cubit above and set the door of the ark in its side. Make it with lower second and third decks. Here we go. Why? For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you. And you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female, of the birds according to their kinds, and of the animals according to their kinds, of every creeping thing on the ground according to its kind. Two of every sort shall come in to you to keep them alive. Also take with you every sort of food that is eaten and store it up. It shall serve as food for you and for them. Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. Continuing in Genesis 7. Then the Lord said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and all your household. For I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. Take with you seven pairs of all clean animals, the male and his mate, and a pair of the animals that are not clean, the male and his mate, and seven pairs of the birds of the heavens also, male and female, to keep their offspring alive on the face of all the earth. For in seven days I will send rain on the earth forty days and forty nights, and every living thing that I have made I will blot out from the face of the ground." And Noah did all that the Lord had commanded him. Noah was 600 years old when the flood of waters came upon the earth. And Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him went into the ark to escape the waters of the flood. Continuing from verse 15. They went into the ark with Noah, two and two of all flesh, in which there was the breath of life. And those that entered, male and female, of all flesh, went in as God had commanded him. And the Lord shut him in. Now I need to take a moment to point out the, the type and shadow from the Old Testament. This is pointing to our Christ. This is pointing to Jesus. That we are in him. Christ is our ark. Christ is the one that will save us from perdition, from death, and from hell. This is why Paul specifically and repeatedly points to being in Christ. And we too, if we trust in Him, are shut in Him, not to leave. Continuing with Scriptures. The flood continued 40 days on the earth. The waters increased and bore up the ark, 
and it rose high above the earth. The waters prevailed and increased greatly on the earth, and the ark floated on the face of the waters. And the waters prevailed so mightily on the earth that all the high mountains under the whole heaven were covered. The waters prevailed above the mountains, covering them 15 cubits deep, and all flesh died that moved on the earth. Birds, livestock, beasts, all swarming creatures that swarm on the earth, and all mankind. Everything on the dry land in whose nostrils was the breath of life died. He blotted out every living thing that was on the face of the ground, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens. They were blotted out from the earth. Only Noah was left and those that were with him in the ark. And the waters prevailed on the earth 150 days. In this account, the world has offended Almighty God through its corruption. And it has received the wrath of God and God's due justice upon it. When we walk into a nursery and we see this cute little ark painting or, or mobile, our first question needs to be, where are all the dead people? Because this should remind us of not only the wrath that has been, but the wrath to come. This is not a fairy tale. This is God's history and a view of God's wrath and His justice. This is an account of justice. Or is it? Did Noah and his family receive justice? He was righteous, as Job was righteous. But was he sinless? If you keep reading on, you will find out that he was not sinless, nor was his family. So is it unjust for God to save some while condemning others? Is there injustice in God? Within the category of justice, there is justice, there is injustice, and there is non-justice. Justice is getting what one deserves. Injust, injustice is getting what one does not deserve. This would cause a claim of justice against the giver of the, in, the injustice. We have seen people who were spent decades in prison whose sentences were overturned by DNA evidence later. So this is an injustice. But there is the third category, non-justice. Within non-justice is mercy. The giving of a reprieve when a reprieve is not deserved. Mercy, the unmerited grace of God. This is the hope and encouragement that I mentioned in the beginning. John Popper's quoted, You just don't know what the love of God is unless you know the magnitude of His wrath. Now you may say, but the flood is a product of the wrathful God of the Old Testament. That's not for today. There's a new covenant 
This divorces the Trinity from itself. The Trinity has always been. Today, we've been conditioned and see such a sissified, milquetoast version of Christ throughout Christendom. We see this modern picture of Jesus as a Vidal Sassoon hair model with, with pearly white skin who is just longing for you. But, but he's weak, and he's unable to overrule your sovereign will. This is a lie and a false picture. Jesus was active in Adam and Eve's banishment from the garden. Jesus was active in the flood. Jesus was there raining fire and brimstone on Sodom and Gomorrah. When we see the state of the world today and we say to ourselves, tarry not, God, come soon, we are calling for the wrath of God to be poured out on this world. Think about that. I'm not saying that we should not call for, for, for Jesus to come soon, but we should also, and I'm pointing at me first. You see, this thumb? this thumb is always pointing back at me. We should evangelize the lost. We are praying for God's judgment. William Dyer wrote in um, an essay, Christ's Famous Titles, Meditate often on four last things. Death, which is most certain. Judgment, which is most strict. Hell, which is most doleful. Heaven, which is most delightful. And we're talking about judgment and wrath, so, so we're going to meditate upon judgment. Meditate upon judgment which is most strict. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Those who will not come before his mercy seat shall be forced to come before his judgment seat. Those who will not hear his word shall feel his sword. Those who are graceless in this day will be speechless in that day. At the world's end, such will be at their wit's end to see the earth flaming, the heavens melting, the stars falling, the graves opening, the judgment hastening, the sun and moon mourning, Christ and his angels coming. He who comes to raise the dead will also come to judge the dead. O oh, sirs, the great, day, the great day to great sinners will be a dreadful day when they shall see Christ coming in the clouds with great power and glory, crowned with dignity, enraged with anger, and attended with his angel reapers. He will bring all kings and nobles, high and low, rich and poor, to his judgment bar. And there he will judge them, not by the whiteness of their faces, but by the blackness of their hearts. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the people with equity. You who make no account of his coming... How can you give an account at his coming? Sirs, meditation on judgment may make you judgment-proof. Those who now judge themselves in their own private sessions shall not be judged by Christ at his great white throne judgment. Turn now, if you will, to the book of the Revelation, chapter 9. 
We will begin at verse 11. And in your minds, while we're reading this, put this image against the image we see in modern Christianity. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and that name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. This is my Jesus. This is our Jesus. This is our Lord. Jesus is love, yes. But Jesus is also the one who will pronounce judgment upon the world. I stated that this message is a message of hope. What I've gone over so far doesn't seem that hopeful. Our hope, our only hope, is that this Jesus will show grace upon us. And just as Noah and his family were in the ark, with God himself closing the door behind him, if you are in Christ, he has given that grace to you. You cannot trust in Christ on your own. And you cannot and have not lived a perfect life that would merit you access to God. It is estimated there are, are 7.9 billion people in the earth to, on earth today. 7.9 billion. And out of that 7.9 billion people, none are righteous. No, not one. If Jesus were on earth today, as opposed to the first century, the percentage of perfect people in the world would be 0.0000000165%. Today is the day of salvation. Run to the Savior. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day.